I'm Reverend J. Stewart Glover, and you are listening to Faith Talk. Today, I am pleased to have as a guest uh, Robert Gibbs. And Robert Gibbs is an author of a book entitled Black Man Rise. The book Black Man Rise is a collection of life lessons that challenge young men to rise above their perceived limitations and get to the next level. Um, Black Man Rise tackles and confronts issues such as the importance of black men in the family, faith, finance, anger management, interactions with police, the decision-making process, and prosperity in the black community. So, Bobby, at this time, I'd like you to um, come on in, tell us a little bit about yourself, and and then... um, Looking at a opening quote in your introduction, it reads in this way. It says, I never had anyone explain what it takes to be a man. So after you tell us a little bit about yourself, please just share with our listening audience how this quote is an inspiration um, or how it points to the inspiration of your writing this book. So come on in and say hello. Hello. Thank you, uh, Reverend Glover, first of all, for this platform and, and allowing me this opportunity. Um, I just want to really tell you that it, it means a lot. Uh, and uh, a little bit about me. Um, I am in my late <laughs> my late 50s, uh, father of four, married 27 years. I grew up in Harlem. New York and uh, spent most of my time in in the city of New York growing up as a uh, you know young kid running the streets um, <clears throat> but th- there was a change around you know my my 14 year old time frame and um, that has led me on a journey in my career um, in a number of different city state federal and now corporate um, arenas. Um, and just has given me uh, just a lot of experience in um, how to maneuver in these situations. But to answer your question about how this book came about and that, that opening quote, um, it, it, it all started when uh, my sister died in, in 2003. And she had a two-year-old son at the time. And I knew that he was going to struggle because he didn't have the foundational structure of uh, a man in his life. Now, don't get me wrong, he had a father in the home, but his father was not present. Um, and there was some addiction issues. Let's, let's just be honest about it. There was some you know, gambling and, and drug addiction issues that I knew that this young man was not going to make it had he not had someone step in to teach him and to bring him up and so that scared me um i have four sons of my own and to think that my nephew was going to uh not make it because he wasn't going to get the proper training it just didn't sit well with me and so he was the inspiration for the book and my life's journey through like i said these different uh areas of my uh, career have kind of played a part in explaining to young men what it means to be a man and 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 what it means, what our role is in society. So that that's me in a nutshell. 
Well, so it seems like your nephew served as an inspiration. You saw the need, his needs in his own life of having a, um, uh, a mentor, as they say. And so then the, the mentoring um, capacity spread over to, to everyone because you saw the need right. for uh, young black men in particular to be the need for mentorship. And so I appreciate that. And, um, you know, looking at the, the book, you, you begin to talk about your, your own father and um, some of his struggles that you, you refer sure. to as the BMS. So just talk about that for a minute. <laughs> sure. So, so the BMS is a black man's struggle, and, and we all have it. Um, it doesn't matter whether you're, you know, inner city or country or whatever you want to call it. Uh, it simply has to do with the, the fact that every time you come out of a situation, there seems to be another situation that you get thrust into. And, and my father, his issue um, was that he didn't have the structure that he needed growing up. And when he did become of age and had children of his own, he had to put his own needs and desires kind of on the back burner, right? He, he graduated through high school, um, but the responsibility of taking care of his family and in a lot of cases, other family members' family <laughs> um, caused him to kind of constantly hit the wall, right? He'd make two steps forward and take four back. There will be something that would be really, really beneficial for his uh, career and, you know, the company would move or there would be layoffs. Right. So he constantly hit this this like unforeseen wall in his struggle. And a lot of a lot of young people have this as well. Um, if they start out without, you know, a foundation of uh, a strong father, strong mother, strong family unit it can lead to this progression of i don't want to call it failure but just difficulties getting to the next level so for for black men especially we hit this wall constantly and you have to be really mindful knowing that it's there knowing that it's always going to be present uh, in this country and any other country, there will be a black man struggle. And so you have to understand that and work around it if you don't if you don't have the capacity to work through it. Amen. <clears throat> Amen. Well, you know something, um, the absence of, of a, uh, a family, you know, a healthy family life and and that struggle in and of itself, when we when we begin to enter into a world where we have financial responsibility and this can this begins early in life um sometimes those we develop these um attachments to to things that that cause us to mishandle certain situations especially when it comes to finance <clears throat> which is which is a section in your book and i'd like to kind of combine components from the finance section as well as the denying yourself section in your book and you talk about what I really like is that, and this is a lesson that they should learn early in life, is about borrowing money. And, and can you mm -hmm. talk, talk to us a little bit about um, borrowing money and credit card use? What happens is we, we are basically denied things. We want things, right? But right. so when you run into a little bit of money 
or, or if you end up with a credit card in your pocket as a, as a young man, um, sometimes those desires um, lead us to making, um, you know, using, using these tools, the credit card especially, um, irresponsibly, and we end up with a huge problem on our plate. So a, a good lesson early in life is this thing about the, a lesson around conversation around debt and, and handling of managing your finances in a better way. So could you talk a little bit about that? Sure, sure. So, um, and this this came out of, of my own experiences with my sister. Um, you know, growing up, she was always kind of the voice of reason for me. Um, and so it comes out of um, me when I wanted to, to purchase my first vehicle. Um, I was just out of college and you know it was a situation where i kept telling her oh i'm going to get a car 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 i'm going to get enough money i'm going to get a car and uh, it turns out that my biggest thing in my own head is that i i i dislike debt immensely so i wanted to have the exact amount that the car cost <laughs> right and so as i as i went along i realized that that wasn't going to be um possible but the the overarching um learning from that is credit card debt because there was a situation where listen just put it all on a credit card put a you know put eighteen thousand dollar vehicle on a credit card and i said no, i'm not doing that like that, that's that's never going to work because if you think about a credit card, you pay <clears throat> one amount, thousand dollars. The next month, that thousand dollars has interest to let's call it ten percent. So you got another hundred dollars on that thousand dollars. If you don't pay that off, that multiplies. So every time you delay and don't pay the full balance, you're paying interest on money that you didn't even charge initially. You're paying interest on interest. Mm -hmm. <laughs> And never knocking down the principal, which means if you continue to do that, you never pay it off. Mm -hmm. um, and so delayed gratification is what we all need to understand. If you want something, and I get it, we, we you, you need it now, but do you really need it now? Mm -hmm. If you if you simply delay, right, and build, you would be able to afford that thing that you want. Now mm -hmm. there's some, you know, big ticket items. Maybe you can't afford to put a, you know, three hundred thousand dollar house, <laughs> and, you know, save that kind of money. But it's these smaller things that trip us up because a credit card for uh, clothing, a credit card for shoes, a credit card for food, a credit card for trips, a credit card for all these other things. All of that increases the interest that you're paying which is really paying somebody else to finance your life. And that is the most expensive that you can ever have. Mm -hmm. um, so take the time to plan out how you're going to pay for something, start early, and use your own money as, as, as often as you can. It'll save you in the long run. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I was um, on vacation. My wife and I, we were on vacation. We were in Virginia. I'll never forget this. And <clears throat> I was looking out the window at a hotel, and there was a, a jewelry store downstairs and there were uh, 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 about maybe half a dozen or maybe seven or eight young men young black boys I would say right. that they weren't even 12 years old maybe from 9 to 11 years old and they were on their bikes gazing into the window of this jewelry store mm -hmm. and I said my goodness 
even at such right. a young age, there was such an attachment yeah. to the jewelry. And, you know, and then I had a, a nephew, a young boy who, who was probably about nine years old, eight or nine years old. And he told me he was going to make a lot of money. I said, well, mm -hmm. what are you going to do with all this money that you make? And he said, well, first right. thing I'm going to do is not this is an eight or nine year old little boy. He said, the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to buy a million chains, diamond chains and hang them around my neck. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. so, yeah. so this imagery of what success looks like right. has been so cor corrupted for us. And yeah. we, we buy into it and it's dangerous and it's unhealthy. Yeah, it's it's just it's so misguided because again, if you don't have someone who is is telling you what is important, right? Um, and if even if that person is giving you misinformation on what's important, uh, it can be dangerous, and it, it sets us back so far because we invest in so many things that are not helping us grow as people. They're not helping our families. In fact, they're they're you know helping us and, and forcing us to go backwards because you're constantly burdened with trying to keep up with quote unquote the Joneses, right? But let me tell you something: the Joneses are broke. Right. <laughs> Just so you know, right. they're broke. Right. Okay, um, you 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 you, you want to be around those people who don't even tell you, you know how how they're managing what they're doing. Um, the, I always say that the person who is the flashiest dresser is probably the one that has the least money. Right, and 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 leading, uh, building on that, in your um, <clears throat> there's a section in your book where you talk about self denial, and in one one piece in particular, I'll, I'll read the quote. It says, "I often see people that drive a really nice car and they live in squalor. I'm sure you've seen the person who wears two hundred dollar shoes, but they have children whose clothing and shoes." are minimal at best. These folks have not denied themselves and it has taken over their lives. So they have a disordered attachment to the appearance of success and wealth. But beneath right. that beneath that appearance and the disordered attachment to this, this uh, perverted vision of success um, is really a, a, a tragedy. It's a, a tragedy in development. Right. Uh, my, my thing is we all we all ought to live our reality because that's how you you don't get disappointed. If you live your reality in your finances and your relationships and your communications with people, if you walk in that truth of what you really have and what you don't have and what you can do and what you're not able to do right now, that will alleviate the, these major, major life frustrations that people have. And I tell you, there, there, there are folks who they look great on the outside, oh, awesome on the outside. But when you strip away the layers to their relationship with their children, with their relationship with their wives and their husbands and their spouses and kids and family, it's a wreck. Mm -hmm. And so it's those things that are getting in the way because folk are looking for, you know, validation in those things and they're just fleeting. And it really is hurting the community. Uh, mm -hmm. And especially young men, because they're trying to, you know, attain this image that is a fallacy. Mm -hmm. It's not going to make you a better husband, better father, better any of that, because, you know, your 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 objectives are, are misplaced. And your goals are misplaced. Mm -hmm. So even at <clears throat> even at the. Um, let's say the high school and 
college age, um, managing finances and, and awareness about credit cards and debt and managing their money um, needs to be addressed for sure. So I appreciate the, I appreciate the, the um, this portion of your book because it's um, it's well needed, especially um, in our community. And then you know you move on to um, you know uh, before we move on, I had a, an experience where a guy tried to get me. I wanted to, I thought I wanted to buy this car. It was a Corvette, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And the Corvette was seventy five thousand dollars. And I went into place, and and the guy says, you know. Do you own a home? I said, yeah. He said, well, you know, <laughs> you could always take out a home equity loan. Oh, and, sure. <laughs> and, and, and just yeah. get it like that. And the advantage is that you'll even be able to, you know, um, deduct the interest on your sure, taxes. Right now, as so. slick as that sounded, yeah. <laughs> it was not something that I wanted to do. So I denied, right. I denied right. myself in the moment and delayed and, and realize that, you know what, I, I don't want this corporate anyway. I don't really need that. I don't really, need that. Yeah, I don't really yeah. want it. I don't need I don't it. really need that. Yeah. So then, then we move on to a, a highly um, much-needed discussion about um, interactions with police when confronted by um, police officers. You're right. So in my, in my career, I used to work for an agency uh, in New York City called the Civilian Complaint Review Board. I was uh, for a couple of years, maybe three years, I was... Uh, one of two assistant chief investigators. So we were responsible for um, roughly 50 to 60 investigators that were doing this type of work. So if a police officer said something, cursed at you, you know, excessive use of force, somehow didn't, was uh, accused of anyway of, of not performing their duties the way they're supposed to, you, as a civilian, you could file a complaint and um, that would come to my office. And so I managed a number of investigators across the city of New York. And uh, mind you, this was at the height of some some very controversial cases. And so from that um, experience, there's just a lot of information and uh, hidden cues, things you need to look out for when you're interacting with police officers. Because I, I tell anyone, and I have four sons, so obviously I have to have had this conversation with my own boys. But I tell them that you don't know when you're in a, a you know car stop or a police officer stops you on the street for whatever reason, you don't know what that police officer's mindset is. You don't know who you're dealing with. You don't know if you're dealing with the Terminator or if you're dealing with Bonnie Fife. And some of you may not be old enough to know who Bonnie Fife is, but... It's before my is, time. Uh, well, okay, sure, Jay. You know who Bonnie <laughs> Fife is. Anyway, so you don't know who you're dealing with. They could have just come off a very traumatic uh, call before interacting with you. They could be, you know, they could have issues in their own family. They could have substance abuse issues. They could have, you know, uh, anger management issues you don't know who you're dealing with and so in that section of the book i kind of lay out you know things that you ought to look for things that you ought to not do things that you ought to do in order to keep yourself safe and you know as i've looked at some of these you know, more critical situations that have happened in this country um there's this thing <clears throat> that's called the flashpoint. And sometimes the flashpoint is caused by the civilian and sometimes the flashpoint is caused by the police officer. But there's always a flashpoint and that's what you want to avoid, the flashpoint. So I, I go off into you know great detail on that and, and even when I'm speaking amongst various groups, that's something that I, I spend a lot of time on. 
um, it's very important to to know how to interact with uh, members of law enforcement. Interesting fact: most people get arrested for something other than what they were originally stopped for. Right. That's sad. <clears throat> right. It's sad. Mm-hmm. So you need to learn how to maneuver, and especially for our young men, you need to learn how to maneuver in this situation and understand unspoken uh, cues. Um, so we all need to learn it. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> now, there's another section in your book that you you address. Um, it's uh, there's a section that says if it isn't love, that's what it's um, entitled. Um, and we talk about birth control, and and yeah. and um, nobody. I don't think anybody wants to have children. And unfortunately, one of the realities when I say nobody wants to have children, unexpectedly and unplanned, um, right. and, and and a harsh reality is that uh, there are instances in which young men go off to college, young men and young women go off to college, and it is there that they become parents. Right, and to me that that can be a little tragic, and so, so um, can you just address that a little bit? Sure. Um, first, I'll, I'll just get people off the ceiling by saying that you know, children are a blessing. I'm not gonna not gonna ever say anything negative about anyone's right. child, whatever situation mm-hmm. they are, you know, coming into this world. Uh, but if you if you're looking to um, have as little uh, difficulty being a parent, then um, there are things that we all should should do, and that is be responsible in caring for our bodies and knowing when the right time is for children and not to have children, and even for, for young men to understand, and, and I say it in the book, I'll say it here because I live, I live in my own truth, is that nothing happens without a seed, and the man is the seed, and so when I hear People, women say that, you know, uh, or, or hear young men say she got pregnant, it, it upsets me because you were there too. Right. <laughs> Without you, nothing would happen. Right. And so I, I try to, in a very gentle way, explain that it is our responsibility as men to decide when that happens. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because in, until we do certain things, no matter what she does, nothing happens. When we give in, when we let ourselves be taken over and we're not ready, that's where the problems begin. Mm-hmm. And and I, I make it clear, again, to my own sons, yeah, I want you to be a father. Yes, I want you to, to have children. But I want you to, to do that in a time that in, in, in your life that it fits with where you are and, and what you can take care of, what you can, um, you know, uh, uh, provide for. Uh, and it, it, it's a, a big deal in our household. And, and listen, they may go off and do whatever, whatever they want to do, right? right. But at least they have, at least they have the information and the education to know what the ramifications are of their actions. Uh, please don't be surprised if someone has gotten pregnant. Like you, you did certain things that opens the door for this to happen. Right. And, and 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 same thing with our young ladies. If certain things don't happen, if certain things are not allowed, then you know you, you don't have to worry about those issues. Let's all live our truth, and and be in the reality of our situations, so we're not, we're not surprised when 
you know, there there is a pregnancy. And it, it, it's just, I'm not going to say it's easy, but it's necessary to talk about these things with young people. Right, right. We, you know, let it be a thought out. Let let having children be a thought out process. Right. And, and you know, and, and you be prepared for it um, when the time comes. Now, Bobby, in your um, in this book, we there's a section that that addresses how we respond to rejection. Um, now, any right. any person coming up um, who's trying to to put their best foot forward in, in making attempts to get some things done, whether it's school or, or forming a business or, or just trying to get something done. And, and rejection comes, or trying to get on a football team or a basketball team, and rejection comes into your life. The way we respond mm-hmm. to that rejection is, is highly important, and I really like what you wrote about it. So if you would, please tell me a little bit about that. So, so in your, in uh, our lives, um, young men are going to come <clears throat> against huge challenges, and to simply, you know, have a, a someone tell you no, or for something to go wrong, you don't make the team, you don't get the job, you you don't have uh, the right qualifications, and someone slams their door you don't have the option of stopping because stopping at that point is an absolute surety that you will fail. And so when in that section of the book, it's just letting them know that, listen, there may even be people who you really rely on, who you thought were in your corner, who you, you know, you, you really, uh, admire them. Um, but if they're the ones that are, are telling you no, if they're the ones that are talking down about your goals and about what you want to do, then unfortunately you have to stop listening to those people because all they're gonna do is continue to tell you no. And you're not looking for no's in life. You're looking for yeses. You're looking for doors to be open. You're looking for pr- progression to take place. You're looking for people who are going to help you get where you want to go in your life based on your goals. And so I, in, in that section, I talk about people in my own life who, again, I thought that, you know, anything that I brought to them, I thought that they would be on board with it because of the relationship that I thought we had. And they will break you if you allow them to break you because you're looking at these same and say, wait a minute, but you are my, (laughs) you know, you're my day one and and you don't believe in in what I just told you. And unfortunately, sometimes it's even, you know, in in romantic situations, you may have a spouse or you may have a girlfriend or uh, an auntie or somebody and they really mean a lot to you and they just don't see what you see. So this is what I say. And the acronym that I use, and this is not in the book, but I'll give it to you guys for free, is IRON. I reject other others' narrative. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't rock with anyone else's narrative all my life. Mm-hmm. I reject others' narrative. That's it. I'm not listening to someone who's going to constantly tell me no because you're not the one who's going to give me the benefit. You're not the one who's going to get me where I need to go. So why do you have a say if all you're going to say to me is no? Mm-hmm. You know, if this is hard to imagine that something like this would happen, but when I was a kid in, in um, uh, going in my first year in high school, a guidance counselor told me some people are not cut out to go to school and you're one of them. Oh, you had one of them too? You know, and, and then, 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 then as a young adult, I came into the church 
and right. and I had an I asked a question about Bible college, right? And uh -huh. the, and I was early, you know, coming back into the church as an adult. I wasn't in the best of shape, but I asked this question about Bible college, and the preacher told right. me, um, "You're not Bible school material." Right. Right. Now I guess he didn't right. know that I would end up graduating from seminary with a 4.0. GPA, right. right? So I guess he couldn't see right. that part of me. He saw my past. He saw my the the residue of my history. <laughs> right. But right. It is. so so yeah, we can't we can't we can't um, allow other people's um, narratives to um, take control over our lives and put us onto a trajectory of despair. Bobby, right. you you um <clears throat> you know you said in the book that um if you stop at the first rejection. You know, that's it. You'll, yeah. ne you'll never get that first. Acceptance. You'll never get anywhere. Right. Yeah. Right. You, you'll never get the first. Yes. And you have to keep going. And I don't care how many no's you get it, that all, all that's telling you is you're talking to the wrong people mm -hmm. because they keep saying no. So they, they're not the ones who can make the decision that you need to be made. So you have to find that. Yes. By getting through all of those no's staying positive and keep moving until you get that. Yes. Mm -hmm. And then there's also, you know, Rather than responding to the rejection with out of pure emotionalism, you can look at it and say, well, right. it, is there something that I can learn from this or through this? Not only go through right. it, but grow through it. Is there right. a lesson to be learned in the rejection? Was there a, um, a justifiable reason for the rejection? Right? Did I do something Absolutely. or not do something? Is there something to learn? Rather than just take it as a personal emotional disappointment and all of that. Um, right. You know, one other thing in, in the book um, that you mentioned somewhere, I, I don't recall exactly where it was, but it had to do with um, your relationships. Let me put it this way. Relationships early in life tend to be very strong and very loyal, you know, in amongst teenagers, right? Right. And um, you might find yourself in this strong bond of friendship and loyalty to a person who ends up becoming toxic mm -hmm. with a high level of toxicity who, who you really need to um, get away from. Right. And sometimes that's hard for young people to recognize and accept um, this, this toxicity. And instead of walking away from this person, they find it hard to separate themselves. Um, but you right. have a section, you know, talking about getting out of the car. Yeah. 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 It, 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 it has to do with, again, growing up in Harlem and, you know, we all have, you know, those friends that we, we know when, when they're in the mix, something is, is probably not going to go right. <laughs> so it's, it's a mentality that uh, looking back, I I'm glad that I, I was able to identify and really sit down with myself and, and say, you know what, this is not going to end well. This is not where I want to go. And unfortunately, you know, w when we grow up, we have really tight attachments to, mm -hmm. to our friends and in the neighborhood. And, and, and if, you, if you try to be different, a lot of times you look at people say, well, you're trying to be better. Mm -hmm. No, I'm not, I'm not trying to be better. Not, I'm not better than anyone. I'm different in that I have different choices. And that's where we need to be. When, you, when you're in a tough situation and it's this mob mentality, the worst thing you can do, when you get that, that, that little 
uh, scratch on the back of your neck, you know, your hair raises on your neck and you're like, this is going to go bad. That's the time you need to listen to yourself. You need to listen to the, the wisdom that somebody has poured into you and say, it's time for me to go in a different direction. And that can be immediately like and that. That example about getting out of the car is a real situation where, you know, people were in a car and things look like they were going to go the wrong way. And thinking on my feet, <laughs> had to get out of the car. There's no way this is going to align with what I wanted to do in life. And so it, it's really important that we as, as, as uh, men impart that wisdom to these younger people so that they don't end up in, in these life altering situations that you know can re- really delay um, progress in life. All right, so moving on, and, and we're just about wrapping up. Um, you mentioned what you call the Gibbs model, and it involves right. talking about three areas that someone should understand if they're looking to have their positive experience in college or in the workforce. So you talk about positioning, sure. having a positive yeah, mental yeah. attitude and choices. Can you br- briefly identify, you know, talk sure. about positioning, uh, having a positive so, mental attitude and the choices? Sure. So positioning is is always being in a, in the right um, state. So that should a a, a, um, a possibility come if there's the potential for an opportunity, that you're ready to accept that opportunity. Meaning, if you're going, if you are, you know, um, looking to have a certain position, right? You're going to have to have the the clothing to get that interview. You're going to have to be available to get that interview. You're going to have to be, um, your resume is going to have to be prepared, right? Because if someone says, I need your resume by Friday and it's Thursday, well, yes, you can hurry up and get it done in a rush by Friday, but if you already prepared, position yourself to have that resume ready, then you're in a better, a better position. It's just always being ready to take advantage of an opportunity because you're you're looking for this opportunity to come. So position yourself well to be ready to launch. Um, And just like Jay, when you called me about this call, I said, okay, here, (laughs) I was ready. You know, well, you need a background book, whatever you need. Here here you go. So it's just being ready because timing is important. Time is money and people are not going to waste their time and give you money. So um, secondly is, is positive mental attitude. Uh, you, you, you please maintain a positive mental attitude in everything that you do because it's easy to be negative about a situation. People stop listening to negative people. When someone comes to you with, um, you know, even at work, when they come to you with a, a problem, if they don't come with a solution, that kind of makes you feel a certain way about the situation. So try to maintain a positive mental attitude about every situation. There's always a positive in everything, even when it seems its darkest. The fact that you can still see it is a positive. <laughs> so please understand the fact that you can still evaluate a terrible situation is a positive in itself. And then number three is choices. The choices that we make will determine where we end up in life. And everyone has the ability to make the right choice. It's tough, but when you train yourself to be mindful and watchful and not only to hear what you're you know, your ears, but to see things and to listen close and stop talking long enough to to hear what's really going on. It'll help you make better choices. And that that goes a long way in, in the lives of young people, because if you if you get off on on this, this 
tangent about making bad choices, choice after choice after choice, it, it just makes it a lot harder for you to come full circle and, and get back on the right path. Amen. You know, and relative to making choices as a person of faith, I would always um, advise folks to be prayerful um, and ask God to give you the discernment, the wisdom to, to make the right choice um, uh, and to help you avoid from making these mis- bad mistakes. So now, Bobby, I would ask you to, first of all, where can somebody find this book? Tell us the, the name of the book again and, and where it's available at. Sure, sure. Uh, so the name of the book is Black Man Rise, Fatherly Words for the Young Black Man. And don't let the title scare you. It's for all young men. But I was talking specifically to, to my nephew and, and, and young men like him. It's available on Amazon in hardcover, paperback, and in for e-readers. Um, and if you need the uh, ISBN, it's 979-88-7166. Four four five five, uh, and that's for Robert Gibbs. You can also find information about that on Facebook, uh, Black Man Rise Dash Book. There are a number of videos there, links to purchase, and for any events, speaking engagements, and whatnot that we do, we put that there. Um, and so, yeah, it's it's easily available uh, on Amazon and uh, Facebook. So, Bobby um, Gibbs, Robert Gibbs, I want to thank you for coming on in uh, to Faith Talk. And, and I would encourage the listening audience to go and get the book. And, you know, even if you get it as a gift for someone else, for a young person in your life that you perhaps um, uh, serve as a mentor to, or you, this would uh, provide a, a launching pad for discussion. You could perhaps use the book as a, as a, um, a launching pad for discussion between the two of you. <clears throat> and and use it as kind of like a workbook. Um, and Reverend Glover, just just mm-hmm. one other thing to to your point, we we actually do um, receive donations where people have purchased the book and they just want us to facilitate getting it to a young man. Mm-hmm. And so if if that is the case, they can reach me by telephone four seven five three two nine one two one six, and we can make arrangements to make those donations happen. Okay, let's give that number one more time. Four seven five three two nine one two one six. And the purpose of that is to enable the book to get into the hands of a mentor or a young person in need. So, yes. so I, I thank you for providing us with that number. I'm Reverend J. Stewart Glover. You've been listening to Faith Talk. I would uh, encourage you to visit the website www.reverendjstewartglover.com where you can sign up as a recipient on the mailing list. You can uh, hear ep- this episode, other episodes. Um, you can uh, join our um, global family, as we call it. Um, and you can even reach me directly by email, or you can even leave a voicemail directly on the website. So um, thank you for listening, being part of our audience, and we'll see you next time. God bless you. <laughs>